It's been a rough week, has it not? I mean, if, if, there's any, if there's any one thing I've heard repeated by so many people, it's, uh, I can't take this cold anymore. Uh, it's been cold. In fact, in fact it, it's, it's, January has been the coldest or one of the top five coldest Januaries since they've been keeping record. So it's not your imagination. It's cold. And uh, it's uh, snowy. I, I, I've, I've kind of, I don't know if you know this, but last week overshadowing, you know, was the Super Bowl. But last, last Sunday was, was uh, 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 Groundhog Day. Do you know that? It was Groundhog Day. That's, that's when Punxsutawney Phil, a rat, a little rodent, <laughs> saw his shadow and predicted for us six more weeks of winter. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> Is it illegal to shoot groundhogs? I just want to ask. You just, just want to know, you know. Thank you so much. I, I, I've lost track as to how many, how many uh, snowstorms we've had so far this year. The only people that are happy are the people that plow for a living, you know. And boy, they're making lots of money, but but you know, sometimes, right? Like, like in the past, we've had seasons where um, it's been balmy. You know, it, it, we haven't had a lot of snow. In fact, in fact, I, I remember one uh, occasion. In fact, a couple of years, it seemed to be in a row. I mean, I got my snowblower ready, filled it up with gas. You know, positioned it in the right spot so that way, to open the garage door. You know, there I go and. And, and, and no snow, the, the whole season. I mean, it just, I had to empty out the gas, you know, at the end of the season because there was no snow, you know. Uh, that happens sometimes. But, but then again, uh, I was talking to my wife and, and she reminded me it was, it was 96. Uh, that's about, what, 18 years ago? So some of you in this room today weren't even around in 96, but we had count them 17, 17 snowstorms. And, and, and there were snowstorms slash ice storms, and it was bad, you know. The, the, so some of you older folks, you know, you know what an ice storm is like. I, I remember this one occasion where, where the freezing rain covered everything. It covered the trees. It covered the branches. It, it covered the cars. It covered the houses. I mean, it covered the streets. It, I mean, it, it, the, the world looked like it was made out of glass. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It, 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 it glittered in the, in the daylight, and it looked so beautiful. But, man, it was so dangerous. And that's when, and that's when you hold your breath and you hope and pray that, that Lilco or Lipo or whatever the heck they're calling themselves these days doesn't lose power. You know, now it's PSE and G, but, but, but they, they, they don't lose electricity because what's going to happen is the temperature is going to plummet in your house and it's going to be, you know, the same on the outside as it is on the inside. And that is not good. That's not cool. And yet I, and yet I do remember that there are seasons when, when my snowblower was calling out, feed me Seymour, you know? That's a little shop of horrors if you, if you know what I'm talking about. But, but here's my point. Here's my point in bringing this up, that, that, that winter storms are like the seasons of our life. Winter storms are like the seasons of our life. Sometimes, sometimes life is balmy. Sometimes life is sunny. Sometimes it's, it's, it's so pleasant. And then sometimes, sometimes like, like this past week, uh, my wife has been teaching for like 30 years, and, and she told me it's never happened before where you have two school, school closings, uh, one day in between, 
And, and, and two different snowstorms in that week, you know, affected two, two closings. And that's never happened before. So, so listen, sometimes life is like that. You, you, you're, you're dealing with the cleanup of one trial, and then, and then right on top of that, you're involved in another storm. You're involved in, in another problem. And, and that's, that's the way the seasons of life are sometimes. Sometimes it's balmy and sometimes it's really stormy. So here's my question for you today. How do you handle the stress and the mess caused by the storms of life? How, how do you handle the stress and the mess? Because those storms make a mess, just like the storms now where we've got to navigate through the ice and hope we don't fall down. I tell you, some people don't handle storms well because when an impending storm is about to hit or it's, it's already hit, they're worried and they begin to fret and they begin to, 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 to worry about what's gonna happen in their lives. And I'm not talking about the weather as much as I am talking about the storms of, of life. But, but you ever notice how some people go into a panic mode, you know, as soon as the storms break out? I mean, even, even naturally speaking, do you ever go into a supermarket like the day before they announce the storm and like there's no bread, no milk on the shelves, right? It's like all of a sudden everybody wants to drink milk, you know? They never drink milk, but if storm's coming, they got to drink milk, you know? It's true. And then the wagons, you see wagons filled with so much stuff, you know? And you go in there for one or two items and you're behind these, these lines with people like, I, they, they must be the, what, what do you call those folks? The doomsday preparers, you know? They're preparing for the end of the world, you know? And they, and they go into a panic mode and they, and they begin to worry and they begin to fret. And let me tell you something about worry. When you, when you start to worry, it is never in your best interest. It is, it is, it is never the way to handle the storms of life. There's a, there's a Swedish proverb. Let me share it with you. Anybody Swedish here this morning? So t- 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 tell me if you've heard this. Swedish proverb, worry often gives a small thing a big shadow. Isn't that good? Worry often gives a small thing a big, it casts a big shadow. It distorts our perception of reality. And it's never in our best interest. It always makes things worse when we have a mind that is given over to worry. Some people don't handle storms very well, naturally speaking, or the storms of, of life very well. They have a lack of experience, like, like, like Paul. Where's Paul? Paul? Paul drove his car into a tree in the first snowstorm that we had, $7,000 worth of damage, right? Just got his car back. I'm so glad that you didn't get hurt. But you know, when I was 18 years old, I didn't have a whole lot of experience driving in snow either. I remember this, like I'll never forget this. I, I know exactly where I was. I was. I was on Liberty Avenue, and I made a right turn onto a street where it was a sheet of ice. And I didn't realize, but it was a sheet of ice. And, and you know, in Queens, cars on both sides of the street. And, and here I am. It's like the, 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 the harshest 40 seconds of my life, or the most difficult 40 seconds of my life. I was steering this way, and I almost hit a car. And I'm steering the wheel the other way, and I'm on the, on the other side. I'm almost hitting that car, and down the whole length of the block, going back and forth like this, this zigzag. I, and, and it was a miracle that I didn't hit anybody. But it was a lack of experience of not knowing exactly how to turn into 
a spin. And uh, people, because of a lack of experience, don't handle storms very well. You know what? It would be really nice, right, if the storms of life came with an expiration day. You know, like you, you, you would know. So like, like we look at the calendar and we know the calendar says March 20th, the last day of, of winter. March 21st, the first day of spring. And there's a, a certain expectation for us. We know, we know that spring is coming, right? But when you go through the storms of life, they don't last like the seasons do. Sometimes the duration is long. And, and that's why one of the reasons why the Bible says, and let us not be weary in doing well, for we will reap if we do not faint. It's so easy to grow weary during a duration, a long duration of trial. When it's month after month after month after month, and we're going through the, the same battle, the same struggle. And so, and so we know, we, we, we know that we need to hold on to God. We, we need both faith and patience in order to possess the promises of God. I, I came across this story. I know you, some of you are going to doubt it and say this is not possible, but I checked this out and this really is true. This comes, this comes from across the pond, you know, like this, this happened in England. His name is Norman Green from Wigan, England. Wigan is not a place I'd ever want to visit. But anyway, he vanished for eight years. After the local police came to his house to question him about the death of his 86-year-old neighbor, frightened 34-year-old Norman hid himself under the floorboards of his living room. For eight years, he lived in a two-by-six space. His wife didn't tell their six children where their father was. This was a self-imposed prison. In that process, in that eight years, Norman's hair turned white and his teeth fell out. Now, his wife would periodically, of course, bring him food and take care of him, but, but Norman couldn't take it anymore. And one of the hardest things for him was listening to his children laugh and play and not being able to say, here I am. And when he turned himself in, and and here's the the strangest thing. When he turned himself in, police didn't arrest him. And he wasn't prosecuted. In fact, Norman wasn't even a suspect. But Norman was driven into his self-imposed prison by his fear. The things that people fear are often the product of their own imagination. And the consequences of what they fear are often worse than the actual fear themselves. I mean, that story doesn't sound like it's possible, but please go ahead and check it out. But if you're a believer in Christ, the Bible says God's not given to you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. We, we, we are not to react in worry. We're commanded not to worry, and we're commanded to not be fearful but to face the storms of life with this sense of courage and this sense of confidence because of whose we are. Storm clouds can quickly gather for a bunch of reasons. Then I don't have the time to to go through all of them. Let me just hit on a few of them. Some of them happen in the workplace. Some of them happen because we have have unrealistic expectations put upon us by management or by my employers that that are just demanding more and more every year. And as a result of that, the stress levels go up. And 
You know, pr- promises are made. Promotions are, are, are given to someone that's undeserving. And as a result of that, the storms, the clouds kick up and you can easily be tempted to worry or, or to be afraid about the future. Clouds can quickly gather around family relationships. You know, there's a saying that says, you only hurt the ones you love, which is because we make ourselves vulnerable to the ones that we love. All our guard is down when it comes to the people that we trust and we love the most. And so to be wounded by a loved one, we understand that that is the most painful of experiences. And that can happen. Adversity, adversity can come by, by someone falsely accusing you of, of, of wrongdoing, of judging your motives, and you find yourself in a storm of controversy. It, it spreads throughout the community like a virus, and, and you, you, you find yourself, do you defend yourself, or, or do you let the Lord fight your battles? Stormy weather can take place in a number of different ways. How do we respond to it? How do we react? to these things in our life. There's a, uh, a TV program, you know, these, these programs where they have like these hidden cameras and they try to judge the, pers- the, 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 the reactions of people in these various situations. Well, he, he, here's the scenario. Um, in a restaurant, there, there were hidden cameras and at the counter, uh, an actor would come and sit next to somebody who was having their lunch and and the actor just, just without saying a word, took some of the French fries off of the person's plate and began to eat the French fries. And th- this happened like, like numerous times. And, and right, nine out of 10 times, this is about nine out of 10 times, the, the, the victim of this thief stealing some of their lunch, they didn't say a word. Not one single word. Nine out of 10 times. Now, the, the, the camera caught their reactions. You could, you could tell that some of them were, were burning on the inside. There was a slow burn that was about to erupt, you know, and, and, and others kind of, you know, clenched their fist or they gritted their teeth. And, 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 and there was a reaction, you know, but it was internal. Now, now I don't know what exactly this show was looking for, but, but I know this that when people submerge their true feelings to avoid, to avoid a confrontation for the sake of, you know, the surfacey peace, then what's going to happen is that there's going to be an inauthentic relationship as a result of that. When, when underneath there are hurt feelings and underneath there are troubling questions and hidden hostilities ju- just waiting to erupt, what I know is that when we fail to confront in love in a certain situation, what we have is then inauthentic relationship. So I ask you again, one more time, how do you handle the storms of life? How do you handle the storms of life? In, in his book, Chuck Colson, I'm sorry, uh, Chuck uh, Swindoll, about the life of uh, Job, addresses the, the issue when his Wife says to, him, to Job, how long are you going to hold on to your integrity? And this is her advice. Curse God and die. I mean, what kind of advice is that, you know? But this is coming from his wife. Now, now the amazing thing is that both of them were, were involved in the same trial, the same horrific things that were taking place in their life, except that, that Job was, was, was physically uh, injured as well with all these boils that were all over his body. But, 
But here's the, here's the thing. She says, Job, what you need to do is let go of your integrity because he would refuse to accuse God. And, and this is what he said. He said, she said, curse God and die. As, as, as if then you'd have peace in your life. You know, isn't that funny the way that people perceive the way to have peace? In fact, when Nelson Mandela, uh, just a couple of months ago, passed away, the headlines around the world was Mandela now at peace. That, that really was the headlines, Mandela now at peace. You know, how many gravestones have been etched with the words, rest in peace? Or you, or you see at a funeral a ribbon around a bouquet of flowers that, that says, rest in peace. That seems to be the sentiment, rest in peace. I don't want peace when I die. I want peace now in this life where the storms of life are taking place. And if you're a child of God, let me tell you that there is a, an inheritance, that there is a legacy given to me and to you as believers in Christ that we would know an inexplicable peace in the midst of life's storm. That's what I want to know. So Chuck Swindoll says, he says, he didn't say, Job didn't say, gee, honey, that's a great idea. Why did I think of that? You know? He, instead, instead, his reaction is completely different. In fact, his reaction on the one hand is honest and truthful and kind of seems like it's tough love because this is what he says to her. He says, you're talking, you're talking foolishly. He says, do we accept good from God and reject the trouble? And the Bible says that in all this, Job did not sin. Now, I know and I've heard some criticize Job because what they basically said was, well, Job, Job let all that stuff in because he said, that which I feared the most has come upon me. I am not going to sit in judgment on Job. I think that's a mistake to do that. I think it's a mistake because the New Testament holds up Job as an example of perseverance and, and, and the blessedness of those that endure and are persistent. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But, but I tell you what, I think that the reason why Job was able to, to go through that with such clarity, to, to, to go through that unshaken and, and un, unmoved was because of his belief in the character of God. His belief in the character of God. How could Job react so differently to the same storm? He was grounded in the knowledge of God. And that's why it's so important for us to be grounded and rooted in the knowledge of God. See, in times of pain and trouble, knowing the character of God is invaluable. It is precious. My daughter Kelly had a deeper uh, meeting a few, it was a couple of months ago. She had this uh, great uh, illustration. It was a Peanuts uh, character cartoon. You know, it was Linus and Lucy. And they're staring out the window and there's a, just a sheet of, of rain coming down. And, and Lucy expresses her fear that, that if this keeps up, the whole world is going to flood. And, and, and Linus wisely says, that'll never happen. And she says, well, why not? He says, well, and he begins to quote from Genesis chapter nine, where God promised Noah that never again will the earth be destroyed by a flood. And God said a rainbow in the sky as a promise. And she says, boy, that takes a load off my mind. And he says, he says in response, and the last frame is, sound doctrine has a way of doing that. 
And that really is true. That when we have sound doctrine, that when, that when we understand the character of God, that will keep us from fear and anxiety and worry and, and, and the, the perplexing things that take place when we find ourselves in the midst of storms. See, my understanding of this kind of peace, this inexplicable, unexplainable peace that surpasses understanding, all those great adjectives that describe the peace that's available to you and I as a believer in Christ. It's not, it's not the absence of trouble. It's, 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 not, uh, it's not the fact that we, we don't go through difficulties. That, that's not it at all. It, it is not... It is not the maximum amount of comfort and the maximum amount of ease. That, that's not it at all. Rather, it is the ability to be confident and to be courageous in the midst of no matter what it, whatever it is that you have to face. It is being confident in God, knowing that you're not facing this alone, knowing that the, that the very Prince of Peace himself is with you. And it's because of whose I am that I can... I can be more than a conqueror through him who loves me. The peace giver is with me. And that verse I quoted at the beginning of this message, it's from Isaiah chapter nine. It says, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his kingdom and peace, there will be no and there's no limit. And, and the emphasis, this cluster of names that, are, that, that is ascribed to Jesus. Notice that the emphasis is on the infinite peace that he will bring. That he is the culmination of that cluster of great names ascribed to Jesus. Is that he will bring us infinite peace because he is infinite himself the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. If you'll notice that in the first line, or the second line, excuse me, that there's a comma between the word wonderful and counselor. And, and in some of the more uh, current translations, they have it as one title, wonderful counselor. I don't have a problem with either interpretation. I learned it the old way, wonderful counselor. Because Jesus is indeed a wonder. He, in fact, Jesus is the greatest miracle and the greatest wonder in the universe that, that God in the hypostatic union between God and man has, has come in this incarnation to save us, to redeem us, to, to buy us, to, to bring us everlasting peace. So he is a wonder, but but he's also, he's also a wonderful counselor. And how many times have we looked in the scriptures and have considered that Jesus diffused and Jesus disarmed his enemies with a word of wisdom. He sent them away whimpering like little children with just a word of wisdom and how powerful wisdom is. And that wisdom is available to us. The Bible says that he gives us liberally and he doesn't scold us when we ask and when we lack wisdom and we ask of him. And he's the mighty God in the sense that he is God's mighty hero. All of the heroes of faith that recorded in Hebrews chapter 11, all of these great accomplishments of faith all have one purpose in mind, and that is to focus and to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And he is the source of our peace. 
the first words that Jesus spoke to a group of fearful disciples on that Sunday evening when they were behind locked doors, afraid of the Jews, that they would be taken and arrested, that, that they would also be executed. The first words Jesus spoke was peace, peace. That's the legacy. That is what we have by the rightful be, bequesting or bequeathing, I should say, of, of our Savior, that we would know this inexplicable peace. Tell you what, it's one of the most practical of all of the gifts that God has given to his children because it's something that we need. It's something that through the courses and through the seasons of life, sometimes, we, sometimes we're not in need of that peace, but, but it's there available for us in the event that something happens. But then there are those seasons in our life when we go through one one difficulty after another. And the thing that's gonna hold us, the thing that's gonna keep us is this peace. The Bible says that Jesus made peace through the blood of the cross. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have access into this grace in which we stand. He has provided this peace for us. First of all, that we have peace with God, but then, but then there's something even greater than, than having peace with God. We have the peace that comes from God, and then we even have the peace, or the God of peace, I should say, himself, that comes to us. And it is, it is for those that will set their minds on him. Isaiah 26, 3 says, he will keep him in perfect peace. See, I believe that Jesus is a committed savior, committed to save and to keep in peace those that come to him for salvation. He takes on a responsibility as a savior to keep us from falling and to present those faultless before his presence. Well, I wanted to share with you a little illustration. Let me just take a little sip. It's real water. I just want to put some in here. And I, I, I want just, to just, just say this as a way of illustration, that, that, that our hearts are like sponges, that we, we absorb whatever it is that we're exposed to, that, that we soak in and we, we soak up and we saturate, you know, whatever it is that we are exposed to. If, if we sow to the Spirit, then we will of the Spirit reap life and peace. If we sow to the flesh, then the Bible says, then, 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 then we will reap death. So, so whatever it is that, that we expose ourselves to like a sponge, during times, of, during times of storm, whatever, I mean, I'm not even putting any pressure on this, but what happens is when, when the pressure hits, that which is in us, begins to flow out of us. Whatever it is that we put in us will begin to flow out of us. And that's why during times of pressure, during times of stress, it is so important to exercise some of the principles that I wanna share with you before we close this morning. Philippians chapter four. It says this. It says, do not... Be anxious about anything. And I don't know if there's, no, 
I put in my notes, I put an exclamation point at the end of the word, be anxious about, do not be anxious about anything, exclamation point, period. If you can, from this moment on, decide I am not going to be anxious, I am not going to worry or be fretful about anything in my life, We've already begun to tap into something that's powerful. This comes to us by way of commandment. This is God's word, and God will back up his word. He will watch over his word, and he will perform what he wills for us. And so, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, and this is the way, by prayer and petition, which simply means by a specific request, with thanksgiving, and that talks about attitude. This ought to be our attitude. Present your request to God. Tell God what your needs are. You find yourself in the midst of a storm. You're waiting on medical results, and, and it seems like there's one medical test after another, after another, after another. Let God know specifically what your request is. And notice what will happen. Here's I, I wish that th- there was not a a number between this verse and the next verse. Verse seven says, and the peace of God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, here's the practical application of this message. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. You don't let your mind go in the direction of anxiety, but you do cause your mind to travel in the direction of things that are good and lovely and honest and of a good report and things that are pure. You think on these things. And now notice the promise. It's not only that the peace of God will guard Protect your mind and your heart, but something else happens if you do those things that Paul says that you've seen in me and you've seen me put into practice. He says, and the God of peace will be with you. I mean, I, I, I love the peace of God, but I even want greater the God of peace himself to be by my side. And that is an assurance, that is a promise that we've been given by the one who says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. My grandson, Kate, is nine years old, and I heard this just, just the other day, that he, he's got this children's Bible, and, and all the children's stories in this Bible, you know, whether it's about Daniel or it's about, about Joseph or it's about Noah, they, they all have a, a, a Jesus application, and I, I love that. And, and, and he, said, he said to his mother and father the other day, he said, he said I, I see the big picture. The big picture is pointing to Jesus. Everything that I just read in these verses, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, this is all pointing to one person, Jesus, who is the sum and the total of all of this. When you fix your heart and your mind upon him, the author and the finisher of our faith, something something powerful begins to take place in our life. We become undaunted and unshakable by the storms of this life. Kathy and I were watching this week online. We were watching the debate that was taking place between the science guy. I, I, I mean, you just saw that debate. 
there's quite a few of you here, right? And he was debating the, the, the creationist guy, Ken, Ken Ham. And uh, uh, at, at one point toward the end of the evening, you know, somebody asked the question, and, and the question was this. Why, why is the universe so enormous? Why is the universe so huge? And the evolutionist guy says, we don't know. And, and I love the creationist guy. I love his answer. He said, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament displays his handiwork. That's why, that's why God created his universe and it's as huge and as big as it is to show how infinitely powerful he is. And he made it, he made it. Listen, this is, it's his playground. It's, it's, it's God's canvas. It, it, it expresses, it expresses the, the person of the creator. And that's how huge this universe is. Now, I love stuff like that. I, I don't know if you noticed, but, but, but there are not only storms that take place in our lives, there are not only storms that take place on the earth, but there are storms that take place in the cosmos. And some, some of them are really fascinating. There are storms that take place on the surface of the sun. Did you know that? There are storms that take Imagine that. There are storms that take place on the surface of the sun. In fact, there was one back a few years ago that was like a, this, this storm cloud that, that came out and, and caused, uh, caused uh, these uh, electrical co- co- coils in uh, New Jersey, Salem to, to, to begin to just set fire. And it was the response of, a, or the response was that there was a, 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 an outage, a power outage. There was a power outage in Quebec as a result of a storm that was taking place on the surface of the sun. Amazing, right? That, that you could be affected by a storm taking place on the sun. In fact, th- th- there was a, a cloud, a, a magnetic cloud that was released from one of these storms that was measured at 30, listen, 30 million miles in diameter. 30 million miles in diameter. And it was traveling at the speed of a million miles an hour. See, stuff like that blows my mind. I, I love stuff like that because, because I think about that and, and I, say, I say, my God is faster than a million miles an hour. Listen, the, the, the sun, the it's, it's 15 million degrees, you know, whatever it is, centigrade, whatever it is, 15 million degrees. At the, at the core of the sun, it is, it is like 30 million pounds per square inch of pressure. But I believe that my God can walk to the core of the center of the sun and come out again unscathed because God is greater than his creation. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because, because if this infinite God who created this universe and he's, he's greater than his creation, is he not powerful enough to help you and me when we find ourselves walking through the storms of life? Come on. There is nothing too hard for him. There is nothing he cannot do. And that knowledge gives me a sense of assurance that my God made promises for me that he will not break. Now, I tell you what, if you put into practice some of the principles that I shared with you this morning, you, you will not regret it. They are not a waste of time. They will work for you in your life. 
Now, let me just cl- close with this thought that, that the guy who wrote this, the guy who gave this advice about whatever things are good, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are noble, think on these things, found himself in plenty of storms throughout his life. And, and you know the Apostle Paul and some of the things that he's gone through are amazing, right? But at the end of his life, the last word that he gave to the church, his final letter was, was 2 Timothy and, and chapter 4 was his last closing words. And it's where he says, I fought the good fight of faith, right? But now I, I, I see Paul in a storm. I, I hear it in his voice. I hear it in his words, I should say. And, and it's, not because, it's not because he's soon to be executed. It's not because the persecution has, has reached the fever pitch in Rome because of the emperor who is blaming Christians for the fires that, that were burning Rome down. No, no, no. Paul was not afraid of death. Paul is the guy who said, I'm, a, I'm like the man stuck between a rock and a hard place the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far. But no, no. F- f- death is gained for Paul. He wasn't afraid of death. You know, you know what I, I think was Paul's storm at this particular junction in his life? Was the fact that he was, he was abandoned by the people that he loved the most. Th- th- this is what he writes. He says, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. You've got to hear a broken heart in those words. But you don't hear bitterness in the next sentence. May it not be held against them. He He prays for their forgiveness. But, I like one translation says, nevertheless, Nevertheless, the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Nevertheless, the Lord stood with me. In in what way did did, did Jesus stand by your side, Paul? We can't say with any sense of certainty. Maybe it was just the inner witness that that, that Paul had, that he was not alone, that that all those promises that, that we've spoken about today that it was a, a, a reality in his life. It, 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 was, not, it was not the shadows of, of, of making small things bigger. It was the reality that God was, was, was right next to him. His savior was with him. Maybe it was a vision. I don't know. But it really doesn't matter because his attitude is more than a conqueror. He says in verse 18, the Lord, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Those are the words of somebody who has weathered the storms of life and has come through victoriously, who is more than a conqueror. And that can be you and me as well. When we go through the stuff in our life, somebody said, as a believer, you're either just coming out of a trial or going into one or, you know, coming out of one. You know, whatever the process is. That's the experience that we have. But what I said to you earlier today is my understanding, my understanding of this inexplicable peace, it is not the absence of difficulties or troubles. It's not maximum comfort and ease. That's not what this peace is for or all about. Rather, it's, it's when we're, 
facing difficult things, that whatever it is that we face, we know we're not facing them alone, that their Lord is standing with us, that the Lord is, is right by our side. And he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And the bottom line is the, the reason why we can have this inexplicable peace, it's because of whose we are. It's because of whose I am that is the source of my peace. I pray this morning that the whose I am, that you can fill in that understanding of well, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace for you. It's not just a title or a name in the Old Testament. It is a present reality that you too know a peace that surpasses understanding. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. And I, I lift up especially those that are going through difficult situations at this present moment, Lord God. They find themselves in the midst of a storm of adversity, of trouble, whether it's physical or emotional or whether it's relationship-wise or something that's happening on the, on the job. We trust that, God, you are able to take all things and work them for our good and for your glory. We trust in your promises, Lord God. I pray that even now, Lord God, that those that are going through the most difficult times right now, that there'll be a sense, Lord God, of your nearness, and that nearness will be the God of peace. As they commit their mind to be fixed on you, you will keep them in perfect peace, whose mind is fixed upon you because they trust in you. Lord, we trust in you. To, to whom else can we go? We sang that song a little while ago. There is no other name by which we are saved. Where else can we go, Lord? You, you are the source of life. You have the words of life. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ, can I tell you that a simple transaction of faith is what, is what ties you to Jesus and Jesus to you. If you would if you would open up your heart to Jesus this morning, just say something simply like this. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Bear my sins upon the cross for me as a substitute. I believe that you died and rose again for my salvation. If you'll do that this morning, I believe one of the first gifts of grace that God begins to pour into the heart is this inexplicable peace. Situations may not change. They, 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 they may not be any different than they were the day before, but there is a peace that passes understanding.